As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. I'm here, so... <laughs> I'm Shea Goodsogs and I'm down to dunk. Howdy, Oklahoma. My name is Chet Holmgren and I'm down to dunk. Dead gum. I'm Josh Giddy, and I'm down to dunk. This is Lou Dort, and I'm down to dunk. <laughs> I have. I don't, is that like you eat them together? Everybody tells me to get the bag of burgers. I need like a straw. Like. <laughs> Howdy, I, I'm a, I'm an artist on the court. This is Jay Will, and I'm down to dunk. My name is Kenrich Williams, and I'm down to dunk. It might be Aaron Wiggins. This is a troll. It's a troll. I'm trolling. Howdy, Papa. Because I, I think it would take away from who he is, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> I love Oklahoma. <laughs> I love Oklahoma to death. This is Lou Dort, and I'm down to Dort. Perfect. Great. Very good. I like the hat. You like oh, the yeah. hat? <laughs> Vava, this is J-Dub, and I'm down to dunk. I've been doing a lot of dunking. <laughs> Welcome to Down to Dunk. I'm your host, Andrew Schleck. We're part of the Athletic Podcast Network. With me on sign. Are you wearing your signing day sweatshirt, Al, today? I've got Alex Spears. Alex, what's up? Uh, I, I did not know it was signing day. Uh, but yes, yes, I'm wearing my <laughs> old school OU sweatshirt <laughs> nice. in honor, in honor of, of all the signings. <laughs> Oh man! Uh, so Thunder played the Memphis Grizzlies apparently on just the right day because yeah, seriously. Oh my gosh! <laughs> I actually, know for like for for the first half last night, you're like, oh okay, the Grizzlies just stink. This yeah. is just a terrible team. Yeah. Whatever, big deal. And then they come back in a very impressive fashion to win that game, and you're like, man, we got pretty lucky. And not not as lucky as the Houston Rockets, who played the Grizzlies three times already. I was gonna say three times, yeah, yeah. But still, pretty lucky to get them at least once when they looked like that. Yeah, that was really bad. Um, I actually maybe would have wanted to see what how they would have matched up with that them with Jaw because I mean I I still think the Thunder would win, but it would have been a way more fun game to be at. <laughs> Than, yeah, than that. Yeah, one. they they just uh, man, they just have like no one who can 
handle the ball. Yeah. No one who can... They just like keeled over and died in the third quarter. I mean, it was just like, wait, what is happening? Like, there was like, it was just, you could play yakety sacks over every offensive possession for the Grizzlies well, in the third quarter. Yeah. Yeah. That was, that was probably the worst like team I've seen against the Thunder this year. I mean, I've watched a lot of Pistons for some reason because they're actually, I know why it's because they're always the first game on every afternoon. Yeah. Um, but against the Thunder, that was like the worst I've seen. They're bad. The, that was like Spurs shockingly were, the bad. The Spurs were really bad though against the Thunder too. Yeah, the Spurs were bad. But but the difference with that game, I felt like the Thunder were good. Yeah. That game against the Grizzlies, I, I did think the Thunder were good defensively, but it wasn't mm-hmm. like they had some amazing offensive game. They shot 30% from three. <laughs> and <know. laughs> that that game felt like it was actually closer to like a 50-point win than it was to like a five-point win. Mm-hmm. Like if they had just shot a normal percentage from three, I feel like the Thunder would have just absolutely destroyed them. Yeah. I mean that that first quarter was kind of it was it, it was kind of you know it threw me off because by by the time the starters went out it was still like a very close game but it was yeah. all because their shooting was just so ridiculous yeah, yeah and uh, yeah I felt like they got lucky Andrew I, th- I think we could have beaten that team by seventy four if we'd really <laughs> given it a go no. if we'd had a, a really good shooting night I think we could have done it yeah I. I had contemplated asking Mark if that game like crossed his mind because it was like it was two years ago, and then like both teams were in kind of like similar positions where like the Thunder had a lot of guys out in that game in yeah. Memphis, and the Grizzlies have a, a lot of guys out in this game against the Thunder, and like the Thunder and specifically are, like ball handlers out. Yeah, yeah, because Giddy and Shea were out. Yeah, of that game, and so it was a lot of. Point Dort in that one. There's a lot of Point Dort. Um, I think Teo, although I do think Teo was in that game. Teo was not, didn't play in that game either. Oh, he didn't? I went, okay. I went okay. back and looked at the box score. It was Ty Jerome was the only other guard mm. that played in that one. <clears throat> so, yeah. It was, uh, it was bad, and I thought there, I thought there, there's a chance that history repeats itself because they had been so bad and they held out biz back biombo for i don't know if he was hurt or or what um they cut kenny lofton jr after the game uh it's they're they're in a bad way their their roster is still in a bad way even though like jaw's back and he looked great but they're gonna get marcus smart back i think this weekend and then that'll yeah that'll help a lot because then even last night um, especially early on in the game, you know, they were staggering Ja and Bane. And so Bane was kind of like leading those second units. Yeah. And I just, I, I don't know if he's that guy. I mean, I really like Desmond Bane, but I don't know if he's that. He yet. can do it in a, uh, in a pinch. He can do it. And he, but not, he was asked to do it for a really long stretch of time. And he played well yeah. in a lot of games, but he's, he's just much, much more suited to play off ball. Yeah. So when they get smart back, they can split them up. They should have like a functional offense most times during the game. Uh, I still don't. I mean, I saw someone, I forget who it was, had the stat about how many teams have made the playoffs with this poor of a start. And it yeah. was only one. So they, they still have a long way to go. It, it's obviously different because of the 
the play-in. The play-in tournament help, he, helps a lot. Even so, six and a half games back of Phoenix today. Yeah, six and a half is is a lot. That's such a huge number already. They they would have to play at like a fifty four win pace, I think, in order like okay. for them to to get within like arm's reach of the play, and they still not may not make it. Um, yeah, I mean even even after last night's game, they have the same record as the Portland Trailblazers. <laughs> I know. Shout out to Portland. <laughs> that that was that was the like game that wasn't on national TV, but may have been like the most consequential, just because the Suns are an absolute mess. And for them yeah. to go up there and just Dude. get destroyed in the third quarter, I cannot believe that, and happened. lose that game, I cannot believe. I was watching. I was watching one of their uh, like post game podcasts, like a fan podcast, mm-hmm. and uh, they're really at like a breaking point. They're talking about firing Vogel, firing Kevin Young. Got to do something. Firing Kevin Young <laughs> would be hilarious <laughs> if it was like Phoenix Suns fired Kevin Young. <laughs> I know um, you you never hear about a team just I mean that happens in the NFL all the time yes. where you'll just fire like an offensive coordinator but right. it doesn't really happen in the <laughs> NBA it'd be very funny. <laughs> it'd be so weird. <laughs> that was like the measure that they took. Uh the Thunder have fired Eric Maynard. You know. Oh no. They just have let him go. Yeah, no that'd be bizarre. There were a lot of like really fun games last night. There I mean there were yeah, three. Was there was great. one that was a stinker with Milwaukee, San Antonio, no Wimby in that one but Memphis yeah. beating New Orleans was awesome. My, <laughs> I was watching it with my oldest son, and he um, is a jaw hater at this point. And he, oh, really? He was so disappointed. <laughs> the jaw came back and did that. <laughs> his his face is just in his hands like this after jaw hit the layup. <laughs> Damn, um, in his face. It was great. Yeah, in his face for sure. Um, and then yeah, and then the, and Boston. Boston Golden State, Golden State was, was awesome. The I mean, the, that's a huge win for the Warriors, who are just like trying to stay alive here and trying to stay in this fight. Uh, that's a massive one. And then, as we mentioned, Portland beating Phoenix was. I mean, it's it's kind of shocking, especially like Durant. It's like given all he's got. I mean, you think like Durant and Booker is enough. Like, who cares who the other guys are? But it's it's kind of funny that like Nasir Little is like the starter and Nurkic is the starter in this one. And then, well, I saw so- someone posted the three point percentages of all their like other guys. Oh, dude! And uh, Nas Little is number one currently at like thirty six percent. Do you remember all the love for Kata Bates Jop in the summer? Oh, I was like, oh my gosh, I can't believe the Suns got Kata Bates Jop. There were some, there were some Hollinger tweets. Good. Shout out, shout out, John Hollinger. There were definitely some Kata Bates Jop Hollinger tweets. Yeah, he's shooting twenty five percent from three currently. Yeah. Um, he didn't play last night. He had a migraine. It says here, uh, but yeah, like Jordan Goodwin, um, yeah. like even even Yuta Watanabe, who's who yeah. has had moments this season. He's not shooting well from three. Yeah, I I, I don't. I find them so much more interesting because I think they're going to get compared to the Lakers of last year a lot mm-hmm. because they're just dealing with so many injuries. And it's like, oh my gosh, what are they going to do? How are they going to get this together? Mm-hmm. The difference is like the West is so much stronger this season than last season. So I think rising up the standings is going to be a lot bigger ask than it was last year. Totally. But also, like the Lakers had legit trade assets as yeah. it turned out to make a move, and the Suns do not. No. Like, like no one's trading for Black Bradley Beal. If, no. Even if 
wanted to. I mean, even even if even if the the Suns wanted to trade him, um, yeah, like, and I'm trying to look at all the rest of their players. Like, who does anyone really want? And I'm sure they have some. Like, they probably have like ten spots that are unprotected on like a twenty thirty second left or something. Yeah. But I don't think they have like any pick assets. Well, they, to they, trade. they don't have pick assets. They don't have any like they're at least like the Lakers had like some young players that people would yeah. have wanted. I mean, Phoenix doesn't have anybody. I mean, they, they are filled with it's Durant Booker. Um, and then it's just a bunch of guys that nobody wants, honestly. Like, and, and the really scary thing is if they don't do anything, which I think it's going to be tough to do something at the end of the year, then all those like second apron things kick in mm-hmm. and now they can't aggregate multiple players in a trade. They're gonna, then they're really stuck. Yeah, then it's really like screwed. over. I mean, at least a new first round pick will come online, I guess, this mm-hmm. summer, like a future one that they can trade. So they'll be able to f- figure out one trade to make. But oh my gosh, they they feel legitimately screwed, like mm-hmm. in a long term way. Even even if Bradley Beal gets back and you know they're able to stabilize somewhat. So what you're trying just, to say is like the Thunder are preparing their picks for Devin Booker. What you're trying to say? Uh, I will say it's only it's only like two years ago that Suns fans were talking about trading for SGA. Yeah. One day, so <laughs> suck it. And uh, and the other thing I think about is Brooklyn, just because they have all those picks. Yeah. Those, those are out. still very juicy picks. Shout right? out Brooklyn. <laughs> still, still like those picks a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, the Thunder sit at second in the West right now, seventeen and eight. Plus 7.2 point differential. That's the second best in the Western Conference, only to be beat by the 76ers, who have just been blessed by the good Lord to play the Detroit Pistons 100 times, it feels like, <laughs> to have their yeah, that is nice. plus 11.3 point differential. And Boston's still plus 8.6. Uh, as far as net rating, their third in net rating, tied with the Timberwolves still, I believe. Let me refresh this, make sure this is not... Yeah, Jesus. the Sixers, they lost to the Bulls. But before that, their schedule was Wizards, Hawks, Wizards, Pistons, Pistons, Hornets. Yeah. All in a row. Yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah, if you wonder why it's plus 11, that's why. It will go back down in the coming weeks because they'll play actual teams. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Yeah, Philly has the best net rating too right now. Plus, it's 11.4. Boston second at 8.5. And Thunder and Timberwolves are tied at 7.2 um, with their... Defensive rating ranks sixth in the league at a 110, and offense is ninth, 117.3. Top 10 in offense, top 10 defense, third in net rating. Uh, that's a good team. That's a really good team, Al. They're playing great. And I, I, and I don't know how you feel about this, but there was a lot of talk about how and this, and maybe this Grizzlies team just wasn't even capable of it, but like how it was like in like an NBA sense, that game against the Grizzlies is kind of a trap game in that like they just came off like a really emotional win in Denver. They have both LA teams, LeBron, Kawhi, you know, Westbrook, whatever, coming into town the rest of this week. And then the Grizzlies guys, it was like their last chance to play without Jaw, you know. But it obviously all went the other direction where it was like, oh gosh, finally our last game without jaw and they just like <laughs> it was like the last day of school 
is what like some uh, Grizzlies commentators have compared it to, where you just let down and there's like you just don't do anything at all. Yeah. Um, but yeah. it like had the recipe of like some trap, some some trap game. But like the Thunder, like they showed up to compete. Chet in particular, dude, that guy's just a monster. I've I actually haven't seen a game where it's like, oh man, Chet didn't bring it tonight. You know, he's he was phenomenal in that game. Like he he like statistically like the the blocks really stand out. They're like seventeen and six and two. It's like yeah, they're pretty good numbers. But he absolutely dominated that game in like yeah he did in every way when he was out there. And uh, and the variety on the blocks. <laughs> I mean, every single block was different, and they were they were all. I mean, he had that one where he spiked it into the ground. Oh my god! Like he got so high above whoever had, whoever was taking triple, that shot. I think it was Triple J, Triple J, and then and then spiked it onto the ground. He had a few where, well, the one where he came from like the three point line. Essentially, the other player was already driving towards the basket, close to the paint. He's running in from the three point line and somehow blocks it. <laughs> that there, that there one were, that one like legit. Like surprised me. Yeah, that one surprised me too. Like, I, I watched I was, it live. Yeah, I was sitting there watching the game, and I thought, okay, like here, here goes a layup, and the, like, he just came out of nowhere to block yeah. that shot. Yeah, and it, it just felt like that on every single one he was doing. It wasn't just like guys going straight at him, and you know him, him just getting them. It yeah. was him making really smart like aware plays to get back into position a lot of times to make a play on the ball. Yeah. And that that's what was so impressive about it. I was shocked that that play where I think it was John Conchar attempted to like detonate on yeah. him. It was, what an insane attempt that was. was like, what is he what is he doing? <laughs> Honestly, Especially I, at that point in the game. I mean at that point he probably already had like six blocks or something. It's like Bro, have you not been paying attention? Yeah, I mean, he cocked back. He and there was just like there's even if he even if no one was there, there's no way John Contra would have actually finished that dunk. Um, yeah, but he he went for it. Shout out John Contra, who's yeah. for some reason being mentioned as like a trade candidate, but he can't even get on the floor for like this really bad Memphis no. team. It's really weird. That's really weird to yeah, me. Yeah. That- but but yeah, Chet. I mean, just overall, he, he even had a couple of offensive plays. I mean, the the main one I'm thinking of is uh, that one where he took a guy off the dribble from the perimeter yeah. and spun. spun. And it, it's like, like it's this just like, it, spin dunk like where it's all yeah. like somehow one motion. We're just like, what are you, what are you it supposed was, to do? It was that? very pretty. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, he, he, he was he was great. I was looking up, cause especially early in the game, I thought J-Dub's aggressiveness really stuck out. Mm-hmm. And so I was going to see because it has felt like J-Dub has been more aggressive lately. So first I went back and looked at like what he did post-All-Star break last mm-hmm. year. Mm-hmm. And I think what's exciting for Thunder fans is that he hasn't even really hit those numbers yet. Like yeah. he, He's been inching towards them. But like there's, there's still a baseline for him to get to, <clears throat> which is what he was doing post-All-Star break last year, mm-hmm. um, b- before he takes like another leap. And I still think he's had a good season. But if you look at his drives per game, so last year it was 9.5 per game, but then post-All-Star break it jumped to 13.7. This year it's at 12 per game, but in his last six games it's jumped up to 13.8. So basically exactly what he was doing 
last year post All Star break, huh. and I I have felt these last couple games like he is just being way more aggressive, yeah, getting to the rim, and he's still not getting any calls, and that's fine, mm-hmm. whatever. Mm-hmm. I I sort of understand why Giddy doesn't get calls more than why J Dub doesn't get calls because mm-hmm. because Giddy does settle a lot, like he'll pull up for those floaters, or he just won't go through the guy yeah whereas i feel like D- dub is like going through guys yeah. on every single drive but he still can't get the call I yeah. mean, he's averaging 1.3 free throw attempts um yeah, per game from drives that's an nba crime uh yeah. he's getting 61.5 percent of his points from drives currently wow uh, which is even higher than what he was doing post all-star wow. break yeah so and you can feel that yeah as you're watching yeah, yeah. So I, I felt like he was really good. I thought he was really good defensively too. He was a big part of why Triple J just kind of looked out of sorts. He was like so whenever, bad. He was awful in that game. <laughs> whenever he would get the ball, it was just so rarely he was willing to do something with it other than just pass out. Mm-hmm. And you have to credit Dub and and some of the other guys for that because they were just really hounding him. Because, like, who else? I mean, who else are you going to pay a lot of attention to? It's like him and Bain. Right. Um, but, but yeah, I thought defensively they just made Triple J look really uncomfortable. And he has had games like that this season, um, which is understandable because their guards are out. But he had also been on a really good run he had recently. Been. That's true. That's true. The Thunder so, are uniquely equipped to handle a guy like that, though, because, like, how you guard guys like Jaron Jackson is it's not with, like, giant guys, but it's with, like, smaller quicker guys to like get up underneath yeah. him and to like bother his his handle i mean that's those are the guys that bothered kevin durant not not to compare like triple j to kevin durant but like these like bigger guys that like like to shoot it yeah like you can really bother them not necessarily with bigger guys that they can get around but with guys that are just smaller that are can kind of get up underneath them and that's i mean dub is is he's such an interesting piece because he can play the four and in a in a, only in modern basketball could he play the four like he couldn't have played the four like ten years ago but he can play the four in this league and that's so helpful to the Thunder that he can kind of play next to Chet and ultimately I'd like to have a bigger guy next to Chet um, not like a big man but like a bigger forward like a six eight six nine forward next yeah. to him but like he's he's done a tremendous job up to this point. And I think one thing you've seen in these last couple games, and that was an example of it, and then having Jay Will uh, play more against Denver was an example of it, Yeah, was when you take Chet off of the main big guy and allow him to roam a little bit, Yeah, man, it just like dramatically increases his opportunities for blocks because he is so good as a weak side blocker. Yeah. Um, and and that's something I am really interested to watch going forward. Obviously, last night's an opportunity where you can do it with your existing starting lineup just by playing Dub onto Triple J. Yeah. But there are those games like a Jokic where you would need some. You're not going to put Dub on Jokic for an entire game, but you can bring Jay Will in, or if they got or if they had another big, they could bring them in and allow Chet to kind of play more as a roamer. Mm-hmm. And man, it just like it, these last two games. I mean, I what is it? How many boxes he had? Fifteen. 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 15. Yeah. Which is like more than Aaron. Like I think that's the that's the amount of blocks that Aaron Wiggins had all last season. Yeah, yeah. Like there, like he, mean, he had more blocks in two games than half of the roster did last season. 
And he's had more blocks in these 25 games than the than anybody on the team last year did. It's it's crazy. I mean, he's second in the league in total blocks at 71. Um, Brooke Lopez, who's he has, he's got a pretty big job <laughs> for the Bucks to like keep their defense afloat. Yeah, 83 blocks. <clears throat> it's funny that uh, Chet and Wimby both have the same amount of blocks. Then Anthony Davis at 74. Gobert at 59. I mean, for them to, for Wimby and Chet, who I think are just going, like, we're going to look back at those two, like what they did their rookie seasons and like what they become. I mean, it's going to be like generational type stuff. But for them to both have more than Rudy Gobert and Walker Kessler and those kind of guys who, and, and Triple J, for that matter, who's only had 48, that's pretty impressive. Yeah, it is. And it it is the part of his game that feels like the most uh, sustainable, like ready to go, not fluky mm-hmm. in any way. Mm-hmm. And it, it just seems like that's just going to continue. I'm going to look up as we're talking just to see what are the records for rookies. Like, what what is a big number for a rookie? Um, but I, I will. Uh, I, I did want to mention Giddy's play because he was better in that game. Yeah. And spe- specifically, I thought he was really good on the boards. And this is best. You know, I, I, it was a best season high twelve boards. Yeah. Yeah, season I told boards. And, I, you know, obviously I made my opinions known on Giddy uh, on the emergency pod. But one thing I will say is that if you are thinking about, like, just like theoretically, like a replacement for Giddy in the starting lineup, I do think one of the hard parts is trying to find someone who can m- just match his rebounding output. Yeah. Because um, I do think that is really important because Chet. I mean, Chet isn't like Clint Capella on the boards, you know, right. like he's a, he's a good rebounder, but he's not, he's not a gobbler. Andrew, mm-hmm. he's not gobbling up them bounds mm-hmm. like someone like a Clint Capella. Um, J-Dub isn't a good rebounder right now. Shea is good and Dort is, Dort, Dort is good on the offensive boards, but he's not, he's also not like a great rebounder. And I think yeah. that one thing going forward, if they ever did change the starting lineup, like you kind of need those boards from Giddy, and I yeah. know he started the season really poor on that front, but he is he is basically back to where he's been, um, and that is really important. The other thing I would say is that he was really good in transition, and he was so good that if if you watch back that game and just compare what he did in the half court versus what he did in transition, like it looked like two different players. Yeah, I think he got all but two of his points um, other than free throws in transition. Mm -hmm. And he just looked way more confident in rhythm, making the right reads. He had that, he had a couple passes where he was the guy cutting and finishing. I mean, that, that one early on when J dub had that really nice pass and, and getting hit the, you know, that was really good. But then if you go back and watch what he did in the half court, like it's still the same things like that have, have been bothering me. So he, he seems to be comfortable in that transition setting, which he has had issues in the transition previously. So I, I, I'm not, you know, I don't know what to think about it. But he was really good in transition during that game. But then, still in the half court, you'll see things like that play against uh, Gilliard, who like on the screen looks like he's five two or something, and Giddy's backing him down and just turns 
and shoots like an eight foot fado or, or, or an eight foot floater over him. Yeah, it's like bro, bro, just go. <laughs> just you could you could walk over him. <laughs> He's so small. And so there's yeah. still plays like that. So yeah, it, it it is just so interesting how different he looks. And I know that's actually co- pretty common, for, especially for rookies. Yeah, where they might first look good in transition and look kind of lost in half court. Um, but that's kind of that's kind of how that game felt for me. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, blocks per game. Let's say two point five. What is Chet averaging? It's like a two point eight right now, I think. Okay, okay. He and he does lead the league in block percentage as he well. Does? Okay, yeah, yeah. He's so, first. Wimby second. Lopez is third. Goga Patatze is fourth. Yeah, so he is. If I'm just looking at rookies, he is ninth. All time. Now this is in blocks per game, so this is two point eight. Uh, ahead of him, Dikembe yeah. at three, Wemby at three, Sean Bradley at three, Mark Eaton three point four, Alonzo Mourning, Shaq both at three point five, David Robinson three point nine, and Manute Ball at five. Wow! Game. I was gonna say it has to be like a bunch of dudes from the nineties. It's like yeah, the and block Ball in particular. I tweeted this out because someone asked, like, what is the rookie record for most blocks over a two-game stretch? It's 24 <laughs> by Manute Ball. He had, he had 15 in one game and nine in the other game. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, so I, I don't think Chet is catching him. Yeah, he's not going to catch him. If they keep playing him like this, I mean, I think he absolutely could finish the season over three. I think um, he which could. Would be I think a big he, deal. I think he will. And they're starting to also not even just use like J Will, but they'll they'll throw Dort down there just yeah. to push guys, like just to push the center out at times. Yeah. And so like, there's a lot of things that they can do. And Marcus that the the thing is like Chet is learning more as he goes and as he plays different opponents, like he just gets better. But you can also see Mark is making adjustments too as they go. Like they're learning how to use Chet and how to use him as a shot blocker and how to use him best defensively. So it's, I mean, it's this really interesting dynamic that's happening uh, both offensively and defensively with Chet. It's like they're, they're starting to figure him out and Chet's getting more comfortable. And Mark talked, I asked Mark about Chet and how he gets better after he plays an opponent once and then comes back. He said, he just is, he, he said he's just a junkie. Like he just watches so much film and like cares about it. He said, he said he gets better if he plays poorly against the opponent, and he gets better even if he plays well against the opponent because like he always is looking for little ways to get better. Yeah. Um, and yeah, you can see it. I mean, you can you can definitely see it, and it's it's so impressive. Um, I I I don't know what. Your thought on this? I don't. I don't think the list is very long. But like, what, what current centers would you say that you would trade? Like, just straight up trade Chet for. Um, so I'm going to take the fact that he's like, you know, a second year player out of this because that obviously influences, yeah, you know, the, the timeline of OKC. Yes, it's nice to have a guy on this super cheap contract that you're not worried about paying. If I'm just, I'm gonna, I'm gonna answer this question as like. I'm trying to win the title this year. Yeah. Who who would I okay. rather have? Okay, we can maybe answer it both ways. Like trying to win the title this year and then like long term. Yeah, so trying to win the title this year, I think Embiid and Jokic are sure. the two obvious ones. 
Um, I'm going through the teams. The other thing you like, Sabonis is probably better than Chet right now. Sabonis yeah. is really, really good. For what the Thunder need, though, I think Domas they need would not. Chet. Would, yeah, Domas would not put them any closer to a title. He would not. Their offense could potentially be crazy, but yeah. I, 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 I think that they need what Chet brings more. Um, and his shooting Anthony specifically, da- though, on offense, though. Yeah, you know, yeah. Like they need the shooting. Anthony Davis. Um, Anthony Davis is kind of like a nice hybrid where he's probably going to give you uh, close to what Chet is giving you, or if not better, on defense. Mm-hmm. But he's also not stretching the floor. Yeah. So that's going to be a little bit of a problem. Obviously, a very good player. Um, let me see. It's me wild see. that he didn't become a three-point shooter. <sighs> yeah, it like, is. Because he has good touch, and he can shoot. I don't know. To me, um, he should he think, should have become a three point shooter, but I know I know he tried. I know coaches have pushed him to do it. I know he's done it and hasn't done it well. But it's just it's still just kind of wild to me. He never became that. Uh, beef stew. Beef, beef, <laughs> beef, do you stew? Think beef stew over Chet. Beef stew. <laughs> we'll play him at center. Um, I think that might be it. I mean, the only other name you really could consider. And I wouldn't just because of the injury history he's out right now is is Porzingis because yeah. I do think Porzingis fits a similar mold as Chet, just like a more veteran version of it. Yeah, where and and he's he's more willing to shoot the three ball right now. Mm-hmm. So I think you can make that case if mm-hmm. if if you knew Porzingis was going to be healthy, he he would potentially be a really nice fit on this team. But yeah, it's really Jokic and Embiid. Like yeah. I don't think. For the, for this season, yeah, I think that's about it. Which is which is wild, and you could even make the case like even long term because it's not like Jokic and Embiid are like ancient that you just like rather have those guys just because they are MVP caliber yeah, players yeah. and whatever. Like the list may be the same, which is it, it may be, which is wild. Like which is really wild. Jason Potter brings is there any go, is there anyone I'm missing? Go Bear. Jason Potter brings Go Bear up in the chat. <laughs> Yeah, I probably should have mentioned him because um, I did think of him, but I didn't. I didn't. Think I just don't think long. that you can play Dort, Giddy, and Gobert at the same time. Yeah, it's kind of the Anthony Davis thing as well. Where yeah, he's going to help them tremendously defensively, but they just don't. I mean, if you look at the Wolves, like they have Cat playing next to him. Yeah, they have mm-hmm. yes a volume three point shooter. Everybody else can shoot it. I just don't think yeah. you can play. Three non-shooters, three non-three-point shooters. It, not, not only non-shooters, but then like the other two guys with Shea and J-Dub are guys who don't take a lot of threes either. Yeah. So I, I just think it makes it really hard to pick any of those types of centers. Yeah. I Yeah. I don't think... Dominating? Do Dominating? Dominating? Oh, uh, he, he's... I mean, he's been better. He, he's been a part of like why the... The Blazers. Have yeah, he, a few he's, games. he's but I'd, pro- I'd probably rather have him more than Nurk. <laughs> right? I don't know. If, I don't know Nurk, for the Nurk's I mean, been I okay. Think, I mean, it's no Nurk offers a lot in terms of passing that uh, Aiton doesn't. Although Aiton's been, I think Aiton's been getting better on that. Yeah, he, he was he was really good last night in that respect. Uh, yeah. But yeah, I mean, yeah, when it comes to centers, and this is uh, this is I, I tweeted out yesterday. I was just, it was kind of a, a side thing, but like how, where would you rank Chet just in the league? Yeah. And 
I ballparked it as like a top thirty-ish player, which I actually felt was kind of being a little conservative. Mm-hmm. But I th- I think that that sounds about right. I mean, if you look at some of the like the LeBron metric just came out, and yeah. I think he's at like twenty-eight. Yeah, on that metric, um, let's see where he is currently on EPM. He's Gosh, high. Like have... He's he's rising on EPM. One, two, last three, I looked, four, five, six, seven. He's seventh <laughs> on EPM. Wow, <laughs> ahead of Anthony Davis, only behind. Luca, LeBron, Giannis, Jokic, SGA, Embiid. That's insane. We just talked about. Dude, that's, that's um, so insane. Yeah, so I, I think top 30-ish is actually just being is being very conservative. Um, I, I think we he, he I think there's a chance he's like already a top 20 player in this league. I don't disagree. I, I re- like his it his impact. Cra- it like, seems and, crazy. It seems crazy. It, 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 I know it sounds so Homer, but. When you're focusing on like the impact, like don't look just at the yeah. the box score. Yeah, his impact when he is on the court is that of a top twenty player. Yeah, yeah, I think that's right. It's um, it's wild that he's done that. I mean, he's and his. I mean, he's just he's also just shooting the ball well. Like overall, he's it, and he's going to get better at this too. He's seventy five percent from zero to three feet this season. And like yeah. this is like the weakest version of Chet in terms of just like general strength. Like he's going to get stronger and get better as like his career goes on. You know, fifty-one percent from three to ten feet. He's thirty-seven percent from three. Like he's he's just been really good, man. Um, okay, so I have a little research exercise that I did. Okay. Because I updated the half court stats yesterday. And a month ago, OKC was third in half court offense, third in half court defense. You know, feels relevant just because everyone always talks about how when you get to the playoffs, you have to be good in the half court. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so I thought that was super interesting. A month later, December 19th, they are still third in offense, half court offense, and wow. third in half court defense. Wow. So I went back through the cleaning the glass uh, uh, database and looked at every team who has finished a season top five in both. So top five in half-court offense, top five half-court defense. I was going to make some allowances for teams that were six, but I decided not to. One of those teams, the 2019-20 Oklahoma City Thunder. Which I kind of forgot. They were wow. fourth in half-court offense, sixth in half-court defense. Wow. But they did not make my list. Yeah. So this was 21 seasons. There were 26 teams over that period of time that managed that. Managed to be a top five half-court offense and a top five half-court defense. On average, those teams won 60.7 games. Like, like, I, And this is the biggest takeaway from this little exercise is that all of these teams were great in the regular season. In fact, the worst, let's see, the lowest win total was the 2015-16 Clippers who won 53 games. And you can't really begrudge them because that was the season that there were three of these teams. The Warriors, the 2016 Warriors, obviously won 73 games. Yeah. And the 2016 Spurs won 67 games. So like, even that 53 number for the Clippers is a little subdued to yeah. where it would be in a, in a normal year because those other two teams were so good. 
So we're talking about like the lowest win total was 53 wins. Now, of course, OKC might not keep this up the entire season. Mm -hmm. They might eventually fall out. But for them to be in this type of a group is uh, very exciting. Then you look at what these teams finished in their conference. Uh, 54% of them finished as the number one seed. Uh, wow. Another seven finished as the two seed, three as the three seed, and two as the four seed. So wow. all of these teams finish as home court advantage teams. Wow. No one finished below four. <laughs> if I know it's that's <laughs> so absurd. What have you have you even like? And and I I haven't really even done this, but have you like adjusted your your thought on how many games that they'll win this season? Um. Yeah. I f- let me see what they're on pace for right now. I mean. I mean. Yeah. Fifty feels like very doable at this point. Yeah. And part of the reason is because they've played so well against the bad teams. I mean, that is really, if you just destroy the bad teams like they're doing and then split your games against good teams, you can get to 50 wins. Yeah. So that's, and that's what they're doing right now. Mm-hmm. And so if they can get a little bit better against the good teams, which I still would love to see. And we're about to see, I mean, this stretch coming up is pretty awesome. With like Lakers, Clippers. I it's think a, they do they play the Nuggets again? It's a great test. Yeah. They play the Nuggets after it's the first game after the new year, I believe. Yeah. Um oh, no, okay. no, 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 it's so, not, no, they play them on the 29th. Sorry. It's it's after it's after the back to back. Yeah, I mean it's tough. Clippers, Lakers, Minnesota, Knicks, Denver, and then Brooklyn. And then they're um Yeah, they they have expected win. God, the the league is so tough. The, <laughs> the league is just so tough, man. They have a lot of back-to-backs uh, in January. One, two, three, four, five back-to-backs. Oh wow! Okay, so that could be a that that could bring us back down. But the, a lot of the back-to-backs, though, like it's Miami and then Portland at home. Okay. And then it's Lakers Clippers back-to-back, which is going to be tough. But then it's like Portland San Antonio back-to-back. Ooh, that's a juicy one. And then there's Detroit Minnesota back-to-back, where it's Detroit on the first okay. night. And then Minnesota. Hopefully Detroit has made a trade by then. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service that you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. 
Yeah, I mean, I mean they're going to have to do something. They okay, so their current expected wins on cleaning the glass is 60.2. I, I would say, oh. if I was guessing right now, I, I might put it at like 54. Yeah, that's kind of the number I, I was think thinking too. 54 is doable. 54 is insane. It is insane, but it, it does feel doable based on everything we've seen. I mean, the fact that we are this far in and they are still I know this, like top I three know. in half-court offense and defense. Okay, the outcomes for all these teams. Mm-hmm. A quarter oh, of boy. them won the championship. <laughs> it was... Now, a lot of this is just Golden State. It's 18 yeah, Golden yeah, State, yeah. 17 Golden State, okay. 16... Actually, 16 they lost to the Cleveland. Uh, 15 yeah. Golden State, 14 Spurs... 12 Miami, which was against OKC, and 07 Spurs. So it's, it's basically just <laughs> Spurs and Warriors. Um, another five made it to the finals. Another five made it to the conference finals. Eight made it to round two. So wow. I do think that is notable just as like there were a lot of teams that were good regular season teams that then it didn't hold up necessarily in the playoffs. Like really, like that that Suns team from a couple of years ago, two years ago, that won 64 games the regular season, then they lost to Luka yeah. at home in game seven. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. that was one of those teams. Or the 59-win sure. Jazz team from three years ago that lost in six to the Clippers. And I, re- I remember that series. That was when, I believe that was the series that Kawhi's out, Paul George gets them to the conference finals for the first time. Mm-hmm. Like, so there are a lot of those types of teams. 59-win, 18 Raptors team that lost in four to Cleveland. Uh, Lebronto, I believe that was. Lebronto, yeah. Lebronto. Oh, the 67-win, 16 Spurs who lost in six to OKC. Yeah. Remember that one? Yep. So, so there are some teams like that. It, this is certainly not a guarantee of like, this is definitely going to be one of the best teams in the league. And then another two were bounced in round one. That was the 15-16 uh, Spurs. Mm-hmm. I kind of forgot this this series. They lost in six to Portland. And then the 14-15 Spurs, who lost in seven to the Clippers. I do remember that. Because that, that was CP3. I remember having a good game seven. Yeah. We're hitting, hitting an important shot or something. Yep. But still, we're talking about 42% of these teams made the finals. 42% made yeah. the finals. Yeah, that's that's insane. I mean, I would not. So it, it, it's one of those things that, you know, 20 games from now, I want to keep checking back in just to see if they're holding this up. Because if they if they are, at the very least, I think it's representative of a very good regular season team. Like, mm-hmm. we, we got to start upping our win totals, as we just did. Mm-hmm. And the other thing is, like, you feel pretty confident about them getting home court advantage. Because a lot of these seasons that I'm talking about were seasons when there were a ton of good teams. Like that 15-16 season in particular. I mean, just a loaded Western Conference but every team that did this finished as a home court advantage team. So, yeah. I don't know. It's it's wild. <sighs> Some of these stats, Andrew. And then if you're a home court advantage doing, team, like people are going to pick you to win a series. You know. And probably. I still I still feel pretty I still want to see it before and I also need to see who the opponent is. But Oh, they're they're still so I would I'm still pretty pessimistic about the playoffs as good as as optimistic as i am about the regular season i'm still kind of pessimistic about the postseason like if we get matched up with the clippers 
Yeah. Like I'm kind of, I, I'd be worried about playing the Clippers right now. Mm-hmm. Match Even matching up against the Lakers, who I know we've played well against. Yeah. Um, the, in a playoff setting, that was, I, I still don't think I would favor the Thunder as yeah. like a brand new playoff team going in and beating the Lakers in a seven game series. I mean, the, the Lakers I, proved it last year. I mean, they made it to the Western Conference Finals when they kind of stunk all year. Yeah. The Kings obviously worry me because because they can't, can't beat, beat them. them. They just cannot <laughs> beat that team. <laughs> cannot beat them. Uh, the Mavs terrify me. Yeah. Um, because of Luca. I mean, basically, it's like the Rockets. If we get the Rockets, okay, all right. I would love. I'll be to feeling. Have, I would love I'll be feeling pretty Rockets. good. I would love to have the Rockets. <laughs> I mean, the Suns right now feel great. The Warriors would uh, kill me. I hope. I hope. We don't have to play the Warriors in the seven games. Would, series, yeah, I think everybody exhausting. would have to definitely make an appointment with the heart doctor. You know, uh, the Pelicans would be another interesting one. I think that would be pretty evenly matched. Yeah, I might go with the Thunder. Wolves. Wolves would terrify. Uh, yeah, Wolves. Um, if I'm assuming we're going to be home court in this scenario, then we wouldn't be matched up with the Wolves. Then we wouldn't be matching up with them or the Nuggets, which, yes, I would not feel good about either of those. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm still feeling pretty pessimistic about the playoffs just because I we haven't really seen them do it over the course of a series because that's the other thing. Like, we can look at individual games, like the highlight of that Pelicans game or, like, the low light of the Timberwolves game. Mm-hmm. Over a seven-game series, you know th- that's just going to be one game mm-hmm. in a series, and, mm-hmm. and a team's going to make the other team's going to make adjustments. Thunder going to make adjustments, and we just haven't gotten to see that yet. And so it'll be a, obviously the the first real test for Mark, which is exciting. Um, yeah, but but it's the first real test for this team as well. And so until I see it, yeah, I'm probably going to be picking whoever they <laughs> whoever yeah. they play. Well, and for we and for Shea, with, like, because like. How many people are declaring Shea a top five player in the league right now? I mean, it's a lot. Yeah, and and you know the people who don't like Shea will most often compare him to James Harden. Yeah, um, and will probably be making that same argument in the run up to the playoffs. That like, hey, when we get to the playoffs, good luck when your free throws dry up. Mm-hmm. Even though I feel like his free throws have, I was going to say they've dried, mean, they've dried <laughs> up a little bit for him yeah, yeah, this they've, season. They've anyways. dried up already. Yeah. So whatever. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this team is very good. I, it, they're they're so good that you feel like such a homer talking about them. <laughs> but it, but it just is what it is. I don't know, I know. what, what I know. else to think right now. I know until it stops. I mean, listen. If I was making the case against them, a lot of it would come down to how they have played so far against the really good teams, mm-hmm. and it, is that going to continue? Mm-hmm. I mean. Are they going to be stay below 500 against teams that are above 500? Yeah. Or are, are we going to start seeing more of those types of signature wins like they got against Denver? Yeah. I mean, that, that's the real question. Like, And this next stretch is, is this really is, fun. It's not like I need them to go undefeated or anything. Right. But a few of those games, if they won them, would be pretty impressive wins. Like if they if they beat the Clippers, how the Clippers are playing right now, yeah. who are, 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 I believe, are on an eight-game winning streak. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. And they're nine and one in their last ten. That that would be a very impressive win because the Clippers have been incredible as of late. Oh yeah, yeah. They they and James Harden's like totally bought in, playing really well. But yeah, they they that would be a a really good win for them. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean they're they're great. Another another quick step before we go. 
Shea leads the league in steals by a giant margin. He has 66 steals right now. The next closest is Paul George and Matisse Tybel, who both have 43. Wow. He's averaging 2.8 steals. Donovan Mitchell's second in steals per game at 1.8. Jeez. I mean, he is dominating. The Thunder are like the most like dominant stocks team. And like that's how that's how you play in transition. It's like they're basically getting like six possessions in transition every game from those two. Which is it's insane what those two and have and, been and, able it, to and do. it helps because well, we just said that they're so good at half court offense, but they're also a very dangerous team in transition. Yeah. And and I I think you you need some of that for, you know, I mentioned how good Giddy looked in transition. Like, I do think that certain players excel in transition more than others. I think Chet is really good in transition. Oh, yeah. Um, so any opportunities, oh, yeah. it feels like you're going to get easy points. Yeah. Yeah. With that and yeah, that, that, that is pretty awesome. I'm, I'm looking at my fantasy team because <laughs> Shea is on my fantasy team. And I'm killing the league in steals. And he's the only guy I have who's averaging more than one. <laughs> so it's pretty good. Oh, I have Wimby. Never mind. Wimby is one point three. Which yeah, is also impressive. It's it's Shea at sixty six, and then the next closest to him on the team is actually Josh Giddy, which I would not have expected at twenty two. Jeez, twenty two. <laughs> okay. Chet has twenty one. Dort has twenty one. Isaiah Joe has twenty one. Dub has only has twenty, which feels low for him. Casey Wallace fourteen. Yeah. Wiggs ten. Everybody else is single digits. Yeah, what did J Dub? I feel like he was a big steelsman. Yeah, I thought so too. Let, uh, let me see what he did post. Uh, yeah, he was one point four last season per game. He's down to point nine this season. He had one hundred and three total huh. in seventy five games. <laughs> Shea, Shea is, I mean he he's a legit top three MVP candidate right now, and you know second in the West. Helps a ton, but his stats are just so stupid, and the efficiency is just outrageous right now. 30 and, and 36 or 36 and 6, basically 2.8 steals, 8.2 free throw attempts per game at 91 percent, 57.8 percent from two, only 32 percent from three. But man, like he is, he's just a monster, like he's just unstoppable. And it's, it's the the amplification of pairing him with someone like Chet. Exactly. Exactly. Who who is also that sort of or at least projects to be that sort of efficient player in other ways. Yeah. Um, both offensively and defensively. And then you add J dub into that, which just as a reminder, I'm looking at it right now. Twenty two games post All Star break last year. J dub was almost nineteen points per game. 5.4 rebounds, 4.3 assists. He shot 64% true shooting, 43% wow. from three, wow. 88% from the line. Wow. And he averaged 1.7 steals during that stretch. Like, if you got that player back, and that's what kind of what I mentioned at the beginning, like, as good as J-Dub has been, he still has a little bit of ways just to get back to what he was doing post-All-Star break. If you get that player back yeah, with, with this, this version of Chet and this version of Shea, I mean, that that's... It sounds crazy, but that like m- might be like the best or second best like trio in the league. Yeah. If, if you had all of those guys playing at their highest level. Yeah. 
and that's and that's kind of like why we talk about like about overlapping primes like with these three like if you can get those three to their overlapping primes and then just have like the right guys to fill in around them whether it be Isaiah Joe, Casey Wallace, Kenrich, like whoever, like, and it can be guys, all those guys may be gone. Like we don't know. Um, but if you just find the right guys to fill in around them, like you've got, you've got a really, really good mix there. It's, it's wild. Uh, okay. Uh, thanks so much for tuning in to today's show. If you are not subscribed on our YouTube channel, you should go subscribe to YouTube. I'm trying to post like little shorts and stuff. I had one where I asked Mark about, um Shay's like disposition after a game winner um and it was a really really cool answer that's up on our youtube channel so i'm trying to post like some some of that content there as well in our shorts um i think i have all of the uh, warriors uh turnovers in a video on there too which is pretty entertaining so Go check that out. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. If you're watching right now, hit the like button. Make sure that you subscribe. If you're not subscribed to our YouTube channel, if you've somehow just clicked on this video, uh, please subscribe to our YouTube channel. Uh, also, leave us a five-star review in Apple Podcasts. Um, my, my bosses are watching, and they like five-star reviews now. So if you could leave one with a nice message, that would be so, so great. Um, we'll have another podcast for you Friday. Hopefully, hopefully L-Man's back. I, haven't, I don't think we've done a podcast with the L-Man in like six weeks. Wow. Is what it feels like. I don't think since Down to Dunk Night we've done. We've what? Had, we've had L-Man. I'm pretty sure that's true. Maybe it's not. Maybe there was Jeez one in Louise. there. But it feels like forever. So, um, all right. Hope you guys have a great rest of your Wednesday. We'll talk to you guys again on Friday.